Chapter Seventeen of Hagar's Daughter: A Story of Southern Caste Prejudice. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Emma Mercier. Hagar's Daughter: A Story of Southern Caste Prejudice by Pauline Hopkins. Chapter Seventeen. It was long after midnight and the guests were leaving when Sumner, with white, set face, sought Mrs. Bowen and asked for Jewel. She was much concerned over her daughter. "'I do not understand it,' was her reply to his eager questions. Jewel sent word by General Benson that she was not well and had gone to her rooms. She was all right and as gay as possible all day. I thought you would know.' Finding that he could not explain matters that night, and would accomplish nothing by waiting, Sumner left the scene of revelry, desiring to be alone. How it had all happened he could not tell. But what a sentimental fool he felt himself to be, for allowing himself to be betrayed into acting such a scene in so public a place. Still, he felt that he could blame no one but himself. Aurelia was free from any intention of scheming, for how could she know of Jules' presence at just that moment? So he argued, lulling his suspicions to rest. At eight o'clock, while breakfasting, there came a letter from Jewel with his ring enclosed. Then, indeed, it seemed to him that life was over. With mad and bitter wrath, he cursed Aurelia Madison. Then he started for Jewel's home. The servant who answered the summons was wont to have a welcoming smile for the familiar visitor. There was no expression in his well-trained face when he informed Sumner that the ladies were not at home. Knight found him again at the Bowen mansion. Mrs. Bowen was coldness itself. Jewel begged to be excused. Despair seized him. Everything, every one, was repulsive to him. Days of insane recklessness followed. A month went by in this manner, working furiously days, spending his nights in search of the excitement that is supposed to drown care. Then he grew calmer. He would seek Jewel again. He would force her trust. She should believe in him life was not worth living without her for one touch of her cool hand one glance from her calm eyes one smile on the sweet earnest lips he would barter wealth and fame and all the world had to offer i life itself they had met frequently in society during this memorable month but jewel passed her lover without a sign of recognition or with a slight bend of the head in acknowledgment of his reverential uncovering general benson was always in close attendance and aurelia madison also was often her companion after the usual nine days of wonderment and surmises as to the cause of the estrangement between lovers public curiosity turned to speculating on the middle-aged general's chances with the fair heiress at seven o'clock one evening cuthbert sat at his desk in his rooms lost in sombre thoughts he had determined to devote himself to the hardest of tasks, heavy brain work, when his heart and soul were racked with agony. He was busy on a political treatise. He was considered a brilliant writer. If he could make a stir in the literary world, it would please his father, and he had no one else to think of now. Work? Could he work? He flung out his arms over the papers on the desk before him and bowed his head upon them. If I knew the suffering was for myself alone, my blossom, I could bear it better. He lifted himself at last, haggard and weary as with weeks of sleepless toil, resolved to devote himself to his chosen work. What I am I will live on to the end, ambition my only bride. 
he was striving with all his young courageous heart to kill the memory of the girl he loved it was a bitter task and an impossible one modern pessimists are fond of crying that love as well as chivalry has died out of our practical world if this were true then sumner lived after his century for his belief in higher and better things was intense he had a desire to worship purity in any shape to champion the weak and carve a pathway to honor that which was characteristic of the chivalrous days of old the minutes passed half past seven ticked away and then eight and he never moved he sat with his face on his two hands his elbows planted on the table i will not think more about her he said to himself doggedly i will not i will not john his servant a new england colored man who had known him from his youth had put his evening clothes out in the dressing-room and now entered the room to remind his master of an engagement to dine it's time you was dressed mr cuthbert he said in his quiet way john was eager for his master to leave washington and return to massachusetts and the family home deed he argued to himself this washington's no city for me give me old new england every time it's god's own country they's nothing human about the south for chocolate-complected gents like me no matter how you fix it the pint of the argument is in the scorpion's tail just so and this here southern idea of colored americans ain't good for black nor white when you's done had a good new england raisin mr cuthbert's an altered man since the night of that there bowen ball he told himself again and again if he ain't twenty years older in his looks then i'm blind in one eye and can't see out of t'other he'll be best off if he gets back home to the old gentleman dog my cats but there's something strange in this whole kick-up or my name ain't john robinson sumner roused himself at last what's the time john he was asking as the bell of the suite rang shrilly if that's mr badger show him in he said as john went out of the room cuthbert stood gazing down into the fire he heard voices outside but he gave them no heed there was always a good-natured controversy between his friend and his servant. A slap on the back and a hola, summer old man, made him start round and put his gloomy thoughts behind him and greet his friends, Will Badger and Carol West. Ah, how are you, Will? How are you, West? How goes it? He said in greeting to his guests. Thought I'd bring West with me, and after we dine at the club, take a look in at the Madisons. This is their night at home. West's agreeable with a laugh and a meaning look in the latter's direction sumner hesitated aurelia had written him again and again but he had not answered her impassioned letters she had begged him to call and let her help set matters right but as yet he had not been able to bring himself to comply with her request well he replied to will badger after a moment i don't mind have a glass of wine while i change thanks we don't mind said west west never did mind he was fond of a social glass, and Sumner was noted for his fine wine and excellent brand of cigars. "'Yes, we'll have a little game with the Major,' he remarked, as he helped himself from the sideboard. "'Great fun. The Major knows a thing or two about life, does the old man?' "'He knows enough to win your money, I suppose, you foolish boy,' replied Sumner. "'It's very little I've lost there. He always insists on returning me my money. "'Have others been as fortunate?' that's their own fault the major wins fair every time replied west hotly oh west you're prejudiced in his favor broke in badger a pretty daughter is a trump card she can't help being charming and attracting men to the house stoutly maintained west 
charming but dangerous my dear fellow she's my friend i would be more to her if it were not for my poverty don't malign her badger i won't stand it my dear boy broke in sumner soothingly badger and i are your friends don't be angry with us we mean it for your good aurelia madison is one of those women with whom mere friendship is impossible men must always be half her lovers and therein lies the secret of her power of any woman's power over our sex if she is inclined to use that power to our detriment oh she's circumspect he continued as west attempted a vehement interruption i believe that it is not in her to care enough for any one to kick over the advantages of respectability for his sake but she'll sail close to the wind west laughed bitterly you speak from experience i suppose the city is ringing with your broken engagement and its cause sumner stood silent the blow was a keen one because the wound was so recent oh come fellows drop it hastily exclaimed badger what do we care for miss madison except as any man admires a handsome woman she'll bowl you over carrie my son she's using you just now to suit her own purposes you're young yet he continued affectionately but when you've had two or three seasons of this sort of thing you'll hold your own with the deepest of them yes west rejoined sumner who had regained his self-possession there are scores of just such women in the world i will own that once i thought aurelia madison divine but shrugging his shoulders i have changed my opinion and i am not sorry to have escaped from her toils if you enjoy her society continue to do so but don't let her snare you you ought to do some of your preaching to old bowen dogs if he ain't gone on her worse than i am anyway looks so he's there every night what exclaimed sumner let up west why don't you said will badger giving him a meaningful look it's my idea cuthbert that senator bowen is putting money into the mine that's what i think is the attraction i intended to speak with you about it some days ago sumner made no reply and in a few moments the trio left the house washington society with its proneness to overlook small trespasses was beginning to talk about the madisons some declared the beautiful daughter but a bait to snare the unwary and openly voted the major shady a good deal of money changed hands in the salon of the unpretentious house on new york avenue it was whispered also that the mine was a gigantic swindle as yet these reports were but floating rumors no one had made open complaint meanwhile the evenings were gay in the drawing-room where aurelia smiled and flirted with the greatest intellectuals of the great republic there was an excellent buffet obsequious servants the soft shuffle of cards and in the billiard-room at the rear of the house a chosen few rattled dice or gave themselves up to the fascination of rouge et noir it was past eleven when the servant opened the door of major madison's salon and the three friends entered sumner found himself in a fair-sized and well-furnished room containing a semi-grand piano it was the one he had entered on his formal visit aurelia was the only woman present the major came forward from a group near the fireplace to receive them so pleased to see you he said shaking hands in a cordial fashion aurelia my dear here's mr sumner west was already standing by the beauty's chair and badger had passed on to a group of men in another part of the room aurelia was exquisitely dressed in her favorite colors cream and terracotta combined in a wonderful gown well mr sumner have you honored us at last she queried as she laid her hand lightly in his then as her father moved away she said with a bitter smile the fault was not mine 
I would have died rather than Jewel should have heard my foolish words. Her manner, more than her words, broke down all Sumner's lingering suspicions, and he warmed perceptibly to her. She was but a girl, impassioned, impressionable. What right had he to accuse her of perfidy? Someone came up to them and interrupted her. Yes, she would give them music. She went to the piano and Sumner followed her. She played popular selections from the latest opera buffet, and then a Morsian in a style that satisfied the most critical taste. Senator Bowen had just entered the house and paused for the music to cease before speaking to Miss Madison. Then he went up to her, passing Sumner with a cold nod. Presently Major Madison and he disappeared, and Sumner felt they had gone to the card-room. He wandered about for a while, seeing enough to alarm him at the ascendancy Major Madison had evidently gained over the senator. As he stood at the door of the room, watching the party where Senator Bowen sat staking large sums of rouge noir and losing at every turn of the wheel, he felt dejected at his own helplessness. Gaming was Senator Bowen's only vice, a legacy from the old days when as mate he played every night for weeks as the cotton steamer made her trips up and down the river highways in the antebellum states. Sumner determined to rescue the honest old man from the toils of these sharpers. Just then Aurelia came up and touched his arm. "'I wish to speak with you, but come with me.' He gave her his arm, and they went to the vacant library. As they passed from view, one man standing back of Senator Bowen's chair, watching the game, said to another, "'Sumner Rich?' "'Very.' "'It would be a fine thing for Miss Madison to catch him in the rebound. He seems fascinated.' "'Indeed it would. And why not? She is of good blood, and he does not need money.' "'Ah, no. Only beauty and love.' she is worthy of a coronet the soft light of tender sympathy was on aurelia's face sumner clasped both her hands in his and begged her to tell him all she knew of jewel that is why i brought you here was her serious reply i mean to undo this tangled web which i have unwittingly woven is she well does she hate me dare i go to her he asked with passionate earnestness Disengaging one of her hands, Aurelia laid it on his shoulder, while she answered in soothing tones, "'Jewel is quite well, Bert, dear, but she is allowing General Benson to monopolize her attention. In fact, I sometimes fear that the mischief is beyond repair and that she is pledged to him. But I am sure she loves you still. Trust a woman's intuitive powers. She cannot deceive me.' whatever she has done has been in a spirit of pique which needs but your presence to overcome we will save her if it is not too late bless you for those words he said your sympathy is very sweet to me be patient and leave it all to me i will bring you together again you have filled my mind with forebodings he said dejectedly i fear it is too late not too late but leave me the hope at least of redeeming myself in the eyes of jewel i have arranged for a meeting between you on tuesday on that day the senator and mrs bowen go to the president's reception jewel has a cold and will not be able to accompany them she expects me to spend the evening with her i waive my engagement in your favor but see that you improve your opportunity tears filled her eyes her voice broke she was pale with emotion she was proud of the intense feeling she displayed and felt she was acting her part splendidly 
for a moment sumner was speechless then he kissed her hand and said in a broken voice as he turned to go god bless you aurelia at four a m general benson major madison and aurelia stood alone in the deserted drawing-room the major waved in triumph two checks for large amounts bearing senator bowen's signature that's all right madison but it is slow work too slow for me how are you getting on aurelia she looked at him with an evil smile on her face that destroyed all its marvellous beauty i have told cuthbert sumner to call on jewel tuesday evening the senator and his wife will be out the girl alone i think general you can do the rest and settle the matter once and for all by jove aurelia i will convince him of my triumph against all odds you've earned your husband and your million End of chapter seventeen recording by emma mercier